hey, are you starting to look into Docker? Hey, do you know that containers are the future? Are, do you realize that your websites can scale so easily? We're going to talk about how you approach it, how simple it really is, and what you do next on this episode of Dev Radio. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of Microsoft Dev Radio. I'm Jerry Nixon, and I'm here with Shahed, my favorite technical evangelist on the East Coast. Shahed, it's your third time on the show. Thanks for being on the show again. How are you doing? Doing all right. How are you? I'm pretty good. I notice you're sitting next to Wynn Vandevanner. He's the managing consultant slash senior software developer there at Excel Consulting. Wynn, thanks for being on the show. This is your first time. It is, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you guys aren't in the virtual world. You're in the real world, and you're in Virginia. Yes, we are Arlington, Virginia, to be exact. And just right outside Washington, D.C. Nice. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show today because uh, this is cool. I love it when we take a whole bunch of, of moving parts, put them together, and make it look so simple. Uh, Shahed, tell me just a little bit about who you are before we start talking about the super solution. Just in case, I can't even imagine it, but just in case somebody doesn't know who you are. Sure, sure. So, uh, but I guess start with my title, which doesn't make sense to a lot of people outside this field. Uh, I'm a senior technical evangelist at Microsoft. Uh, what it means is that uh, I help uh, developers around the U.S. and around the world understand our technology better, our tools, our platforms, and build cool solutions, whether it's a mobile app, web app, cloud app, or some uh, awesome mixed reality app in HoloLens. Uh, you and I are both evangelists, and let's just be honest, this may be the best job in the world. It is the best job in the world. I mean, seriously, it just might be. When I think you've got the second best job in the world. Uh, before we start talking about the, the project, tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a, a managing consultant and senior software de developer at Accela. Um, I do a lot of side projects in addition to client work, a lot of uh, .NET work for clients, but side projects such as the one that um, we did in collaboration with you guys. Um, so uh, yeah, I've sort of been leading the effort into getting into uh, .NET Core here at Excella, uh, so it's been really cool. exciting, and I was glad to work on this project on it. Have you been a .NET developer for a long time? Quite a while, yeah, so uh, over 10 years, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, hey, that's almost the birth of .NET, that's pretty good, you've been with it for a long time. I was the, uh, ASP Classic, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> everything's in brackets, and we're all back to that now, we just call it Razor instead and everything else, right? It's crazy, right, right. just this giant circle of life, circle of yes. .NET that we come, are in. It's crazy. Yes. All right. Shahed, tell us a little bit about how all this started. Where'd you guys meet? Uh, so I actually used to work for Excella Consulting at a previous life. Uh, so I get a chance to meet a lot of developers and community leaders and speakers in the area. And uh, Wynn was talking about some of the things that Excella was doing. And I mentioned how uh, my group at uh, Microsoft DX uh, is working with uh, specific uh, enterprise companies and also startups and different uh, developers to work, with, uh, work on projects together. And uh, we talked about what Excel might be interested in. Uh, one of them happened to be this web app. Uh, so, yeah, we got started with this cross-platform on the front end, cross-platform in the back end. A lot of cool stuff all around. It really is the offer you can't refuse. I mean, we just show up, no strings attached, no nothing, right? We're just like, hey, what if we just work together? It'd be awesome. It is an incredible program, I'm sure. 
Like, where do you all, where do I get in line? Like, it's in, absolutely. I can only imagine some uh, developers listening to this right now. They're like, "What you do? What with who? How do you? Yeah, what's Shahed? What's your email?" <laughs> all right. So, you guys used to uh, work together. All right, that's pretty cool. You're talking about your upcoming project. What project did you settle on? So uh, it's an app called Skillustrator, um, which is filling a need for us in, in terms of tracking skills uh, internally in a little more of a sophisticated way than um, systems out there now that we at least have access to. So we can uh, have people fill out their profiles with skills they have, as a lot of apps can do, but then we can also go in and tag skills. Uh, and so it gets a little fun there. So we could tag a skill with what project it's used on. So then you can see all the skills needed for a particular project or type of project. Or we could tag skills with junior, mid-senior, things like that. So you know all the various skills to get to go from junior to mid-level developer, for example. Um, and so you, you can tag skills in a number of ways that kind of really opens it up for a lot of different uses. Got it. So this helps you both look back and see all the skills that were used on projects and kind of project forward and skills that are going to be needed and kind of cross-reference with people in your company that may be able to help out. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Wow. If every company hasn't built this, I don't know what they have. I mean, it's crazy. It's, every company's different and every company's the same. You know what I mean? It's nuts, especially right. consulting companies. And the all right. Yes. So, Excel has a lot of clients around D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, so once it's used internally, it can also use, be used by Excel's customers as well for them to hire candidates that might be suitable for uh, not only technical jobs, but any other jobs that require skills. Right, so we're excited that it's open source as well because of that. Nice, nice. And it's got a groovy name, Skillustrator. It's a groovy, groovy name. All right, tell me a little bit about the technology just from a high level. Uh, sounds like it's a web app. Keep going there, Win. Um, yeah, so um, we, we definitely wanted to, it to be a web app, and we wanted it to work on mobile, um, so uh, we went with Angular 2 uh, okay. there. Um, it, we wanted to learn more about Angular 2 as well, um, but then um, we, we did ASP.NET as far as the API. Um, I'm sorry, ASP.NET Core. So um, we were really, we've been using it a little bit here at Excella, but we're really excited to uh, do more with that. So we put that in. Um, that allowed developers on both Mac and Windows 10 uh, to contribute pretty seamlessly. And then we actually put everything, the front end, the Angular, uh, the ASP.NET Core, all in Docker containers. And we also had a Postgres SQL uh, database in a container as well. So that allowed developers to come on and run one command and spin up the entire environment and start working. Uh, and then it also allowed us to deploy that kind of as is pretty easily into, uh, we used uh, Azure Container Service uh, initially. Um, and, and, it, and it was very uh, similar to using it locally. So really, okay. really cool, good opportunity okay. to Azure stuff. Well, there's a lot of boxes on your Visio diagram here. Let's kind of step into it a little bit. All right, so, um, you know, you, you made an incredible point that I think a lot of people miss out on, and that is that... Um, .NET Core isn't necessarily for multi-platform execution. It's also for multi-platform contribution, where developers can be on any platform that they already are and still be able to feel like they can contribute in a real, in a very real way, right? Because we can give them tools now that are full .NET environments that they are on a Mac, believe it or not, right in C Sharp, believe it or not, and it's really real. 
And we did a lot of development on a Mac, actually. I did, I, I did a lot on Mac OS and Windows 10. And I mean, honestly, it worked great on both. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have been skeptical on how well it'll work on Mac or Linux, but it worked great. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. It, it's a brave new world we live in, and I like it. I like it a lot. Shahed, I like it. I really do like it. It took me a while, but I'm starting to really warm up to it. My blue blood is starting to, I don't know what color open source is supposed to be. Maybe clear. <laughs> hey, that makes more sense, right? <laughs> uh, uh, Shahed, how did we, how did, what did we do? Like, where, where did all this begin? What was step one? Because that's a lot of stuff to start, like, clicking off the boxes here. Where do you begin when a project is at this scope? Uh, I guess file new project. Uh, so we, we take it two different directions here. So we did a lot of stuff in parallel. So initially, I sort of hinted at uh, doing both uh, Docker containers and also SQL Azure and an app service uh, in the back end. Uh, so sure. another thing is to also do uh, Visual Studio uh, 2015 on Windows uh, and also VS Code on both Windows and Mac. Uh, and then later on, upgraded to VS 2017, uh, going through various challenges of how do we make sure their project is compatible, uh, should we start a new project, uh, how do we get all these pieces working. Uh, also threw an MVC in there as well in addition to ASP.NET web API uh, in addition to a uh, SQL server. So one good thing about using uh, Entity Framework as we did was we're able to then generate the database uh, in the back end by using the very models that we had created initially uh, in the project. We actually generated a Postgres database from that and a SQL server database yep. from not having it. And then we didn't have to change much code thanks to Entity Framework Core. Yeah. Mm, nice. So both a Postgres database and a SQL database. Why, what would you use? Why would you have both? Well, um, so for the development, using Postgres was really quick because it's uh, really lightweight and you can spin it up in a Docker container along with the rest of the application. Uh, so it was one command and the, the front end in Angular gets spun up in a container, the ASP.NET Core part gets spun up in a container and the Postgres database gets spun up in a container. You don't have to do anything. Um, but we didn't, in the long run, want to deploy the database in uh, Postgres in Docker container, we would have rather had a more robust solution as so SQL Azure. So we wanted to know that if we could, we wondered if we could use both. Right. And we didn't want to wait till the last minute to do that. So we always did that early on. Uh, and that way when we go into production, uh, it can always also be something that's scalable. Uh, and SQL Server is really easy to scale up and down as needed. Yeah, and we, and we learned early on, as I had said, that we could use both without any real rework or, or anything. Nice. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Docker and integrating with Docker, using Docker. How difficult was that as part of the project? Not, not hard. Um, since Microsoft has an official Docker image up on Docker Hub, we could start with that. Um, and there's reasonable documentation out there on doing that from some Microsoft blogs and things. Um, so uh, we just basically had to uh, create our own little Docker image for uh, the ASP.NET core API. Um, the, we used the official Postgres image, so there wasn't much work there. And then um, we had to Dockerize the Angular app. So um, it, 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 it was a little bit of a learning curve for us, but once we got through that and a few quirks, then uh, it, it probably provided a lot more benefit than the time we invested. So it was, uh, I would really recommend people do that if they want to get started with Docker. It's a good place to do it on a development project starting out. I'd also like yeah, to give a shout out to uh, our colleague, uh, Jessica Dean, as you know, Jerry. Uh, Jessica mm -hmm. is from another region, but uh, she was able to help uh, Wynn and myself via email exchanges and also made a little video tutorials to help us a little bit with Docker. Nice. 
Ah, uh, Jessica, yes. What? She is my actual favorite evangelist. Sorry, Shahid. That's uh, nothing personal. <laughs> the, uh, now, tell me this. Um, now, Shahid, seriously, I, I know I'm going to use Docker. I know these containers are the thing of the future. I'm starting to move towards it as a developer. But I've also heard a little bit about the container services. Tell me how everything relates. Uh, so uh, I think Wynn would probably be the better person to come. Yeah, so... Um, so, uh, you know, we set up Docker to run locally to help uh, quickly get an environment up and running and be able to share that almost identical environment with other developers, preventing different versions that people might install on their machine. Nothing, .NET Core framework wasn't installed on anybody's machine locally. It was all controlled inside the containers. So we had that going locally. But so then if you, when we wanted to deploy it, um, we could leverage uh, the Azure Container Service, for example, and that is sort of a, a managed uh, host for Docker. It's got Docker installed on a cluster of VMs. Uh, so you, it kind of lets you not worry about the infrastructure and then just sort of use Docker and Azure command line commands that you kind of the same things you're using locally to basically get it deployed up in Azure. Uh, and then Azure Container Service will do things like handle the scaling for you and make sure it's the app stays running. So yeah. really, it's, it's sort of like the same thing you have locally with extra services on top. Yeah, it's like a cloud-based juggler, keeping all the balls in the air for you, making sure that nothing falls down. Yeah. Right, and it's that's a, really it's a, Talk to me a little bit about, about container services. Let's keep going into that just a little bit. Um, how, did, how did you, uh, when, learn how to use it? Because I assume when this all began, it was pretty new to you. Yeah, it was new. Um, I had come from using AWS's version of it. Um, so I was really interested to see how Azure did it. Um, and I found um, articles uh, on uh, Microsoft blogs. And um, also Jessica actually gave us a lot of insight into how to use it. Um, yeah, cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, one of the things we started off with was I went to my portal and I would create a new uh, Azure container service and gave Wynn the necessary permissions and started uh, ad adding all the extra information uh, to create that and there were some questions about well what selection do we choose uh, do we use this setting do we use that setting uh, so it's, it was sort of a trial and error thing because I, I hadn't used that before either and uh, we were able to get a lot of questions answered along the way uh, and we did have some issues with the identity the proper identity to attach to it uh, but we were eventually able to figure it out mm -hmm. yeah do love learning as a team that seems like the best way to go for sure it's a fun thing to do um, all right, we're going to stick with container services for a second longer here. So uh, Shahed created a container service that you ended up using when, um, is that a complicated ordeal or does everybody need their own service or what would you do if you could do it again? Um, no, uh, I, like Shahed said, there was some learning as far as what settings to put in for the container service. Um, but in Azure, you can go and find it in the list of resources that you can spin up, and it will spin up all the pieces for you. And there are a lot of pieces in Azure Container Service. So at first it was daunting. I saw the list of, um, there are a few VMs, you know, there are, there are there are load balancer, blah, 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 blah. Um, but as soon as we sort of got pointed in the right direction as far as, well, what server do we uh, log into to run some Docker commands when we need to, and how do we you know, set up the credentials, blah, 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 blah. Um, then knowing those key parts, uh, doing it again, it would be pretty easy because those key parts uh, aren't that extensive that you have to do. Um, yeah. was, and that would make a good blog post, too. Oh, yeah, okay. A new blog right. idea I could write about. 
Um, so uh, yeah, and it, so it, it seems that the Azure Container Service is um, very new, and there, and there wasn't a ton of documentation when we started. But it was also pretty easy once we found those keys uh, to work with. So um, I would probably um, I'd use it again, uh, depending on how much I needed to scale the app. I guess. Sure. Well, yeah, of course. And uh, Shahed, you're a collaborative guy. Uh, throughout this project, how did you guys collaborate? Uh, email, uh, in person, um, online, online and in person a little bit of both because we're pretty close. I live right, uh, very close to Arlington, and yeah. we're both in the area. Sure. How how large was the team? Um, we had about um, I'd say five developers total who contributed at some point. Um, yeah. We used uh, VSDS uh, on top of Git. Um, and so that, and that, and there was a um, um, you know like a Kanban board inside of that that we used. So that actually nice. provided a lot of the collaboration tools that we needed. Yeah, and, and it's handy because it's super visual too. Right, and everyone's doing this part time, so yeah, everyone is able to put their passion into it. Right, it little drops here and there, and kind of pick up where somebody else left off. Um, talk to me about Excella as a as a company. I am, let's say, I'm a consultant slash developer slash something. You guys, I know, are have uh, web developers as well. I'm a web developer. I've been pushed by my manager, lead developer, whoever. I remember starting at ASP Classic, and now I've been doing ASP.NET. Even dabbled a little about MVC, and I've been reading about ASP.NET Core. Talk to me a little bit about when, how big of a transition is this going to be for me? How difficult is it to begin developing inside ASP.NET Core? Well, it, it, it's a shift as far as your development process. If you're going to go and use the CLI, for example, the, the .NET CLI, and you're going to be typing commands more than you would uh, than if you stuck with Visual Studio. So you have a choice now. You can go with VS Code and the command line heavily, or you can stick with Visual Studio, and it will actually make it probably a lot more like it was and much more of a smooth transition. So I kind of recommend people go with the CLI so they can see kind of how it works differently. Mm, yeah. um, and, and it's kind of neat to see. Uh, uh, and, and, and it's really not too hard. The, the commands are pretty easy. You can use the .NET CLI to spin up an, a skeleton app right in one command. And then um, doing that, you can kind of see the files it creates, and you can look through them and see how they work. Uh, and if you do that, um, it's a pretty smooth transition. And personally, I think the, the changes are all very intriguing. So um, <sighs> it's worth kind of going through that learning curve. And then once you do that, it's all C-sharp, and it looks very similar to the uh, previous ASP.NET Web API and MVC, so you can really reuse a lot of the, uh, those concepts and obviously the C-sharp language. Right. Yeah, because in the end, it is still .NET. In the end, it is still MVC. Uh, it is still, at its heart, ASP as well, right? I mean, so it's still what you expect it to know. That's pretty good advice, man, because it's almost like DOS and PowerShell commands before you start using the GUI. It's, I think it just makes you understand what's going on under the hood before you start taking off and just running all of these things that are visual first, starting with the CLI before you go into Visual Studio. Now, you may end up in Visual Studio, right, because it's ridiculously productive. But at the same time, to, to be confused, not confused, but to, to not totally understand what what Visual Studio is doing under the hood, I, you know, you can't be a power developer and not know what's really going on. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And it can be really unsettling when something goes wrong and you just don't know what's going on under the covers. So Yeah, that's right. As long as everything's fine, 
it, it maybe you can get away with it, but as soon as you need to debug, which some developers do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so right, you understand uh, the guts at first, and then once you do that, you can go in and take advantage of the um, ex expanded productivity of Visual Studio, absolutely. All right, talk to me. Talk to me about features of Skillustrator um, and just kind of things that you added along the way or, or maybe even something you didn't expect to add or was there anything you had to hold back on? Um, well, we did hold back on sort of the logging in part. We made Authentication, it, yeah. Yeah, just because that can be a headache and um, it, was, it, it was perfectly usable without that. We could create profiles for people. They just weren't locked down. Nobody, we weren't really worried about malicious users in that respect. Um, so we held off on that and then um, we added the um, search for skills. So that was something that we added sort of at the end that provided a lot of benefits. So, you know, sort of an autocomplete box and then finding skills and being able to uh, bring back people who had that skill or people that had all the skills that you searched for. Um, yeah. And then, and, then, and then getting into the tagging stuff kind of, I don't think we, thought we would have as many feature possibilities when we first had the tagging idea, but as we uh, worked with it more, we realized, wow, with this tagging of skills, we can, we can open up a lot more scenarios for this application. So we're excited to see what people do with the tagging. Nice. Yeah, they, it, isn't it funny how that happens with scope and features and everything else like that? And especially when, I, it sounds like a, the bulk of the team were developers, and I think developers just can't resist. Once we know how to make something a gradient color, we're going to make it a gradient color. You know what I mean? We just can't resist putting features into things once we know how to do it. And, uh, and then there goes the timeline. <laughs> Where does yeah, the timeline go? Yeah, we did work with the, uh, we have uh, UX um, people at Excel as well, and uh, we did reach out to a few UX folks, and they did tell us that. Our, our design at first was pretty horrendous. <laughs> as, as developers, we weren't surprised or anything. Uh, and so uh, we're hoping to use a lot of that feedback in our production version to make it uh, uh, you know, a decent UX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very nice. Uh, does it integrate with anything? Um, outside of itself, um, yeah, yeah. Not, not at the moment. Uh, and, and as far as um, how it works with Azure Container Services, but um, we were talking about potentially Maybe LinkedIn or something in the future. Yeah, we were potentially looking into some sort of third-party authentication like LinkedIn. Um, we were talking yeah. about possibly using some Azure functions um, for some of the functionality where it made sense. Um, so at the moment, no, but uh, a lot of thoughts there. We were we were even talking about how we could work a chatbot in, into it, but uh, right. <laughs> down the road probably. Yeah, with Microsoft. And maybe, and maybe a gradient fill if you could figure that one out too. When you log in, everything turns into a gradient fill. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the ultimate app. That's the perfect. No wonder the UX guys were disappointed. You probably didn't have enough gradient fill. <laughs> yeah, where's the time go for that? The way to win. And uh, all right, so actually, let's back up just a little bit and talk about Azure Functions. So, talk to me about like a possibility of uh, the application of functions in an app like this. So right now we have the front-end Angular talking to the ASP.NET Core Web API, uh, but there's some things that can be also exposed with Azure Functions. These are self-contained modules uh, which can live inside a function app in Azure. Uh, so one way to create this as a developer would be to log into the Azure portal and create a function app and then create one or more functions. Uh, but another great way to continue building functions is uh, with using Visual Studio Code. With VS Code, you can again develop in a Mac 
or a PC, uh, and then you can uh, publish directly to that Azure Function app uh, into your account uh, using command line commands. Uh, so that's actually a blog post that I'm working on this week uh, based on uh, uh, a hackathon that I worked on last week using Azure Functions. Uh, nice. So lessons that I've learned, uh, I'm planning to use that in uh, Skill Illustrator and then help Excel uh, also get a better feeling for Azure Functions along the way. So let me, let me make sure I get the gist of it, because I think I do. So um, I've written my web API, and it has 10 methods, let's say. And so I've written my application. It talks to those 10 methods on the back end as web service calls. But you know, method number, number 10 is actually extremely expensive. The first nine are pretty great, but the first, that number 10, what if I carved out number 10, didn't make it part of my web API, but instead put it up into an Azure function that can scale independently of the web API so that if it needs to go asynchronous or take forever or do whatever, I can scale totally in different like categories and uh, in different contexts as well. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing for a developer to be able to stand back or an architect, right? To be able to stand back and say, let me look at all the APIs that I've got going on. Where are the hotspots and what are the options that I have for that? And, um, and, and as far as languages, it's not just C-sharp developers too, right? I could do it in Node and, gosh, I think I even read you could do it in, in Java. But uh, you're thinking of a C-sharp function, I'll bet. Uh, yes. Uh -huh. So, yeah, Node.js or uh, C-sharp, uh, I'm a little partial to C-sharp. But, yeah, you could uh, have multiple functions with whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be all C-sharp or all Node. Yeah. It's almost like a super baby-sized uh, uh, individual web API, isn't it, that you can call and all of a sudden it can explode and become an entire, you know, whale if it needs to be. Yes. Uh, For things like, let's say you're getting a lookup list of skills or tags, uh, things that are maybe predefined or maybe in a database that can get pulled out in the Azure function, uh, that's something you can call repeatedly through the app uh, yeah. and that live in, in a function. Right. Yeah, we were, we were talking about maybe um, uh, an email job, something that runs on a timer or something and could send emails out to people who haven't filled out their uh, skills profile yet or who need to update it or something. We were wondering maybe yeah. if we could use that. Yep. Yeah. How else do you solve the problem of needing to run something on a timer? I mean, uh, almost you have to have a VM otherwise, right? In order to make some, I mean, websites just don't wake themselves up. Yeah, web jobs and stuff, but yeah, Azure Functions is the cool new thing to do. One, one thing uh, we considered was having another container and put it in Azure Container Services. That would be a cron job container that would, uh, you know, could run that timer, but yeah. that's kind of heavy, you know. Uh, Azure Functions would have been a, would be a much lighter weight solution for that, I feel like. Yeah. It's, a, man, if there aren't a thousand ways to do one thing, it's unbelievable. And uh, being able to pick the right one so that What's it, what do you think is, like, it's funny because I try and balance when I'm trying to come up with these things too, the, the, the balance of complex and sophisticated. You know, I want it to be as simple as possible, but, um, and I want it to be as, com as less complex as possible, as little complex, not complex is what I mean to say, but I don't mind sophisticated, right? I don't mind, you know, this to be in a container and for two containers to talk to each other and to have a, you know, a database that somehow has its own caching kind of scheme behind the scenes. I like that. I mean, I think when... A developer looks at a solution like yours, and they're like, wow, there's a lot of moving parts here. That is a win, and where it not necessarily a loss, right? I mean, because sometimes you need to pick, pick the right thing for the right like, job, almost. Uh, how do you contain it, Win? Tell me how you contain it. Um, 
We always keep an eye on what benefits we're getting for introducing extra complexity, and Docker is a prime candidate for considering that because it certainly adds some complexity, and we definitely had to deal with a little bit of that. Um, but the benefits far outweighed that as far as um, getting developers on the project and up and running really quickly, um, much faster than if they had to install yeah. a bunch of things, including a database. Um, but yeah, we had to have some you know pretty decent documentation as far as what was in there and 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 how to get it you know get through a few technical hurdles. Um, we had a few uh, conference calls. Um, so but so you know making sure that everybody is informed about what's there and also making sure we're always balancing the pros and cons of adding these additional parts and making sure that it's the right way to go. Because um, right sometimes. It's not, right? Sometimes you want to keep fewer things. But yeah. in our case, I think what we chose made sense for our solution and where we're going with it. Yeah. Sometimes you absorb a little bit of complexity to give up a lot of complexity, you know? And, and I think Docker or can just containers in general are a great way to look at that, right? May, yeah, you're going to get a little bit more complexity in your solution, but you, you shed so much as a result. And you get all these benefits of, of testing, all these benefits of staging environments that aren't difficult to spin up anymore, things like that that are really low cost now. I mean, I think that's a, a reality. I think there's something around Azure Container Services where I think you would be able to say, when that, that's not an inexpensive service, but for what you get, it's very inexpensive. I mean, it's a weird thing, isn't it, where you're like, wow, that's not free, but at the same time, it's really valuable. Yeah, I mean, uh, people have to think of the long-term cost of managing their infrastructure, and uh, a big portion of that is all taken care of for you with Azure Container Services. I mean, you don't have to manage a cluster, and it gives you a cluster. It gives you load balancing. Uh, yeah. Once you get some containers in there and learn how to do it, then all the rest of the apps that you want to deploy to it via containers become that much more simple because you've already got your process there. So yeah, it's it's worth if you if you see yourself going down that path, which I see a lot of people wanting to do or doing, then you pay that initial cost, but then you really reduce your time to deployment after that. Yeah. I think that also yeah. highlights the benefits of working with Microsoft in this collaborative effort where we're able to uh, get things up and running just to do some initial R&D, uh, and then uh, Excel is like loading things in their own Azure environment after uh, already having seen what it can do, as opposed to blowing all their budget just to try things out. That was really nice. Yeah, that was really helpful. Yeah. It is nice when there's less money on the table. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And you you know, the, the hidden cost of all software is maintenance. And so there is something about, you know, you said it, Win this long-term vision around your application, not just this initial cost that you're considering. Because there are things that, that drive, that, are, that make the initial investment trivial compared to what's going on in the long run. Especially, I mean, you guys have probably experienced it too, where you return to code you've written six months later, only did not understand anything, right? It'd be so difficult. And if you adopt all this complexity, re-approaching applications like that is even harder, right? That, there's something about complexity that's just like a force field to uh, being able to understand and reason about it and figure it out later. So there's, it's, a, it's a good thing to be able to pull it apart. Shahed, uh, how long was this project? Uh, it's probably a little longer than we wanted to be. We, we wanted to do some stuff around uh, which became the holidays. So well, wow. we'll work was done after the holidays, so it was, uh, I guess, spring of this year. Okay. Couple months, yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, Win. You said it's open source. If I want to go find out more about this, where would you send somebody? 
Uh, yeah, so it's on GitHub um, in Excella's um, sort of labs uh, site. So it's Excella Labs, and it's called Skillustrator under there. So it's github.com slash Excella Labs slash Skillustrator. Um, and there's, there's a, a decent amount of documentation on that page as far as getting started. And there are actually um, uh, stories available, too, for anybody to pick up who, who wants to start contributing. And uh, at the moment, people should be able to go in and run the single Docker Compose command to get the entire environment spun up. Um, nice. So nice. it's there, and, and it's, it's asking for people to come and contribute. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I'll make sure the link is at the bottom of this, uh, the description of this video too, so anybody who can't spell Excella for whatever reason. Uh, there's two L's in Excella. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Shahid, man, thanks for being on the show again. This is number three. I can't wait for number four. Uh, what, what, what's, next? what's next for you, man? I mean, it just seems like all the interesting projects just kind of attract to you. You're like a magnet to filings. It's crazy. And uh, when, the enterprise, that's what's next. It's all HoloLens in the enterprise. That's all right, the virtual enterprise. <laughs> Wait a minute. That, that'd be awesome. I think. So that was actually my so the last hackathon project I worked with uh, with the client uh, was HoloLens with Azure Functions backend. Uh, oh, so that's something that you'll be seeing some more information coming out pretty soon. Hasn't been publicized yet. Beautiful. Win, it's uh, Skillustrator. Thanks for talking to us about this, man. Yeah, thanks so much, Jerry, for having me. You bet. We'll see you again, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.